This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one. It is episode number 22, and we are calling this one Fish Fry. Crowley, I am back from Canada. Hope you've had a, uh, a good weekend. Of course, you can check me out on 670 The Score with the Mully and Haw Show. We are live from 5.30 to 10, Monday through Friday. I take you from 5 to 5.30. Of course, we are the radio home of the Chicago Cubs, who are back at it later tonight when they're opening up a series against the Nationals. As always, i got my buddy Crowley here. And Crowley, hope you had a good weekend, and uh, we got to fly a couple of W's, didn't we? Yeah, you can find me over at Twitter, at Crawley's Cubs, and you can follow us on Twitter, at fly the w670 uh and that's on twitter and instagram and at facebook at fly the w you can also email us at fly the w at 670 at gmail.com uh you know it was it was a lot of fun i actually was uh in, in wrigleyville last night i didn't go to the game i went to uh see the bleacher bum band at nisei lounge and it was quite the rowdy night uh a couple of players stopped by so that was fun christopher morell and a couple other the guys were there uh from the bullpen so that was exciting but uh you know how it goes. You pay for it the next day. Absolutely. Tell me about now in the last episode, we talked about somebody was going to do some uh, karaoke Elvis. Did that end up happening? Yeah. Miguel Esparza is absolutely, he's the voice of the Cubs in Spanish. So he does the, Sp- he is the Pat, he was a Spanish broadcast. Okay. But if you ever have a chance and I know not, it may not be everybody, you know, but there's the SAP button. You can click that and you get Miguel's call and he, it's just amazing. It's a totally different call than what you're used to as baseball. But it's just absolutely fun, and there's a lot of passion and energy. But he did do Suspicious Minds by Elvis, and it told, it, it brought the roof off the place, man. He's so good. Very cool. We Maybe we should uh, maybe we, down the road we should have him as a guest on the Fly of the W podcast, Crowley. He, he already told me he's in, and uh, once the offseason happens, we have, we're going to have plenty of opportunities to have some cool guys like him on. Absolutely. Okay, so when we were doing this late last week, I believe it was on – Friday, the Cubs were welcoming in the Marlins for three. They were all day games, all 120 starts. And the uh, the predictions were I went two out of three, and you, the optimist as always, went for the sweep. We didn't quite get to the sweep, but we did get two out of three, so we'll take that. Who is it, Meatloaf and uh, Joe Madden? Two out of three ain't bad. So let's go through the games, Crowley. Let's start with uh, game one, and that was also the – I guess welcome home, if you will, for uh, Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras, who everybody thought were gone, and here they were back with the Cubs at the friendly confines on Friday afternoon. Look, here's what I'm gonna tell you: you will always take two out of three wins any time at a series, but 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 it can be deceiving, right? And so there's the offense really did not look good, and so th- that is concerning as we're we're coming into this Washington series. The Cubs did win two to one. You had Justin Steele versus Eduardo Cabrera. Uh, he was activated from the IL list. He was TBD when we talked last time. But it was a pitcher's duel, and there's a lot of missed opportunities for both offenses. It just looked bad. Uh, top of the first, 
Uh, top of the fourth, one out, Jesus Aguilar reaches on catcher's interference. So that's an error on Jan Gomes. Brian De La Cruz singles to left. J.J. Belay singles. You got the bases loaded, but Steele was able to get Peyton Burdick to strike out and Jacob Stallings to fly out. So, you know, missed opportunity for the Marlins. Now, again, the Cubs are going to have their own in the bottom of the six. Um, a single by Nick Madrigal. And Ortega walks. You have a wild pitcher. Runners advance to second and third, Dustin. No outs. Heart of the order. Here we go again. Wilson strikes out. Wisdom strikes out. And then a relief pitcher comes in and strikes out Hap. So strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Nobody makes contact with runners at second and third and no outs. Yeah, I mean, maybe these are the reasons, Crowley. Maybe these are the reasons why Wilson Contreras and Ian Hap were out there on the trade market. One of those two guys, Crowley, I don't care if the season is over. I don't care if they're not going to play in October. You have got to put the bat on the ball. You've got to have a better approach in those situations. Situational hitting has absolutely been just atrocious this whole season long. And you saw after that sixth inning when they struck everybody out, it was very similar to the Cardinals series that we talked about. There's just this big momentum shift, and you just kind of feel it. And so in the top of the seventh, you have Eric Ullman pitching. Uh, he gets the first out, but then Charles LeBlanc singles. You have an error on Ullman on a pickoff attempt. Miguel Rojas is hit by a pitch. Brandon Hughes comes in to replace Ullman, and Joey Wendell singles, and the Marlins are up one nothing. Hughes is able to get out of it without any further damage, which was good. But then in the bottom of the eighth, you know, you're 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 down to your final couple outs here. Nicky Magical singles. That's Ortega the second Browns. one, right? That's the second yes. one of the game, Crowley. Nicky Magical, two hits. There we go. And so you have uh, Ortega's going to ground out, but then Wilson Contreras homers to save the day. We talk about him. Not being clutch, but he came up clutch there. That was a 2-1. Rowan Wick holds on to the save. But you are one swing of the bat from getting shut out that game. One swing of the bat, right. When you look inside the numbers, this is a game, obviously, Crowley, that could have gone either way. The Cubs only mustered up what? Um, four hits. Four hits on the afternoon, right? Left the six guys on base. They only had a total of eight bases. The good news, Nick Madrigal, two for three. That's good news. Wilson Contreras, a home run in his return to Wrigley. That's good news. Steele, it's okay. But, you know, 100, 193 pitches to get only through four and two third innings pitch, not great, right? But there well, were 10Ks, so that, that's good news, right? That's the good part of that. It, it makes you laugh a little bit. I, we're going to be talking a little bit about a Kevin Costner baseball movie in this podcast, but in a different Kevin Costner baseball movie. There's a lot of them in Bull Durham. He talks about, you know, throw more ground balls, uh, strikeouts are fascist, right? You know, you, it's great that he's get, you know, you get 10 Ks, which he's throwing a lot of pitches to get that done. And, pitches and, to get that, yeah. You you know, 4.2 ain't going to cut it. So these are the ups and downs of a young team, you know, and then from a, uh, for the Marlins, Cabrera had five innings pitch, zero hits, zero runs, three walks, eight Ks. Offense was just pretty as anemic, seven hits, seven total bases, 11 men left on base. Anytime I see that double digits of left on base, it's just you're, you're going you're gonna to hurt yourself, and that's what happened. LeBlanc went two for three, but the Marlins only had one run, so it wasn't like they were lighting it up. Right, so we move over to game number two. We've gotten to fly the W at Wrigley, so that was good. And now we've got Drew Smiley throwing in this one. This was the game, Crowley, that I did not have much faith in, and boy, was I wrong. Wow, could have used this start from Smiley right before the trade line instead of that sinker uh, in uh, San Francisco. Top of the third, Peyton Burdick singles. Rojas grounds out. Burdick is out at second. Joey Wordle lines out sharply to Seah, who makes an incredible reaching grab. You're going to see some good defense by Seah in this game. With two outs, Jesus Aguilar singles to left. Uh, Rojas goes to second. Brian De La Cruz singles. But Suzuki with a great throw, a strike, and P.J. Higgins was behind the dish, and he made an even better swipe tag. It was not; it was on the first base side, the throw, but he was able to get the – originally it was called safe, so the Marlins are up one nothing, but it's overturned on review. But very nice play by Seah and a very nice tag by Higgins. That was great. We've had a couple of those this year, but it was nice this time to see P.J. Higgins applying the tag. Not that I want Wilson Contreras to go anywhere – just yet, but it was nice to see PJ and Suzuki make that connection. In the bottom of the fourth with one out, Ian Happ doubles, Nico Horner singles, Cubs are up one nothing. 
The bottom of the fifth, you have three straight singles to lead off the inning. Morel, Ortega, and Contreras. So that gives the Cubs a 2-0 lead. Suzuki grounds into a double play, um, but Ortega scores. So now the Cubs are up 3-0. And then in the bottom of the sixth, P.J. Higgins crushed a solar home run that just made it fair inside the foul pole. And so the Cubs had a 4-0 lead. Everything's going great. Smiley's growing great, but a little concerned because Morel was pulled in the sixth inning with right hamstring tightness, and he is day-to-day. Just as the rest of us are, but Crowley, this was a uh, this was a good one. I had it on the app up in Canada, and the, uh, the cold beer tasted much better as the Cubs got to fly that W for a second time in back-to-back days. And uh, the sweep was a possibility. But let's, uh, let's crawl into the numbers. Really good start for Smiley in this one. Yeah, 6.2 innings pitched, 5 hits, 0 runs, 1 walk, 4 Ks. Lighter Jr. goes 2.1 innings, so you only use 2 pitchers, really. So two, he gives up 0 hits, 0 runs, and 1 K. The offense had 10 hits, 14 total bases. They left 8 men on base, but they're 2 for 7 with runners in scoring position. Nico Horner, great to see him really emerge from this slump. That's another good takeaway from this series. Uh, he was three for four with a stolen base. Higgins, two for three with a walk and a home run. For the Marlins, Lopez went five innings. He gave up nine hits, four runs, two walks, six Ks. The offense had five hits, six total bases, five left on base, one for three with runners in scoring position. And they don't even score off of that. Brian De La Cruz was two for four. So, you know, when you look at that game, it, it was it was the best of, of the three games for the Cubs, in my opinion. Absolutely. And so from the first game, the highlight really is, believe it or not, for me, Crowley, it's Madrigal getting a couple of hits, and I think that was important. I know Wilson can do it, so hitting that home run in his kind of homecoming, if you will, even though he never left, that was good to see. And then the highlight, Crowley, in game two for me was Nico Horner, three for four with those RBIs, that's great. You know, he definitely needed that one. So we move to game three. The Cubs have the chance to uh, take out the broom. Samson on the bump for the Cubs. A little uh, rain delay in this one as I'm driving back. I was actually picking up 670 the score about an hour and a half away from the border. And nice. it wasn't crystal clear. I won't, I won't exaggerate that far. But I could hear it, and I could hear that the Cubs were in a Weather delay, so I turned it off for about an hour. When I got back, they had just started. Well, honestly, it wasn't that exciting of a game. And, and Jesus Lusardo, who was the pitcher for the Marlins, absolutely just was dealing. The guy goes seven innings pitch. He gives up one hit, zero earned runs, stri- six strikeouts. So you're, you're looking at that, and you're just going, oh, my God. Like, you know, I'm not going to pretend I know everything about Jesus Luzardo. But it's just one of those things that this guy just absolutely had the Cubs number. Yeah, not a great day for the offense. Uh, Maybe not a great day overall the whole weekend for the offense. The the offense definitely isn't fixed, but some of the guys are playing better. The Cubs, what, only managed two hits in this one, right, Crowley? Two hits. One of them came from uh, Nicky Madrigal, so they've got that going. Yeah, two hits, you know, two total bases, so you had a couple of singles, but it just – they just, they just couldn't get to this guy. And, and you know, sometimes you do tip your hat. You know, Magical got one of them. He was leading off, and Jan Gomes was the one that I believe broke up the uh, no-hitter. So, That's right. you, you know, great on that. But but uh, Adrian Sampson, we've talked about him. Still no wins yet for poor Adrian Sampson. But what I've, what the thing I've noticed with him is it's it, we've talked about this a lot with Adrian Sampson. It's just one inning. One inning where things, where things just absolutely fall apart. And in this game, it was the fifth inning. Uh, he gave up a double, Jacob Stallings homer. Uh, so he gave up a double to Charles LeBlanc, Jacob Stallings homers, and then the next batter, Peyton Burdick homers, and the Cubs are down 3 nothing. And that's all. That's it. That's, that's, that's the only real hiccup that you see from Sampson. So, you know, I just kind of feel like we're on repeat with this. He went six innings, gave up six hits. Uh, three of those were in that fifth inning. Three runs, all of them were in that inning. Three uh he gave up one walk and four Ks, but but you know in general, if you're looking at a fourth or a fifth pitcher, pitch, uh, pitcher starter, that's not a bad line. No, it's not a bad line, and it gets you a quality. It got you a quality start. It also, as again, I told you, I listened to the game driving home. He was also, after you only get two hits on offense, he was named the uh, the player of the game for the Cubs on radio in that one. Um, now the next thing is just cut down on the home runs. Right now, some will say. You'd rather see a young guy give up a home run as opposed to a walk, 
Not sure I sit with that one completely, but I do. I can understand it. Just doesn't mean I'm going to agree. But uh, yeah, if if Samson ends up being their fifth guy, you could definitely live with that heading into next season. Right, and and not only you know people seem to forget that most fifth starters are not good. When you get to the postseason, you never see a fifth starter. You need a guy that can go six innings and keep you in a ball game, and right. that's eat up, everything eat up that innings, he's done. Right, Crowley, right. Eat up innings. Don't be just an opener. Don't burn up the bullpen. Keep the keep your team. Listen, if you can get fifteen quality starts from your your, your fifth guy, you, you should be pretty in pretty good shape if the offense isn't broke. Hey, hey Dustin, we have some breaking news here. Uh, breaking news. Cubs president of baseball operations, Jed Hoyer, spoke to reporters, including uh, different beat reporters, and they said that Jason and Jed said Jason Hayward will not be with the club in 2023. So they will eat the contract. I don't know if Jason Hayward has played his last game, but according to sources here that that, uh, what Jed has said to the beat writers that he is officially done. Wow, that is some massive, massive breaking news. So, if that's the case, Crowley, I mean, how will you remember Jason Hayward? Is it the is it the shirtless reported meeting during the raid delay of the World Series? Is that his is that his greatest remembrance, or exactly how will you remember Jason Hayward? Or is it always going to be that he just never was able to live up to the contract? I think that's got to be it. I got to. I got to think it's just that he didn't live up to the contract, and and it was. I I remember he was with St. Louis in 2015 when all of me nobody in the world could hit Jake Arrieta at that time, and he crushed a home run against Jake. The Cubs won anyway, but I'm like, man, this guy's a beast. And then when I, I then I remember everybody that was uh, bidding for his services. Uh, including the St. Louis Cardinals, who offered more, and he stayed with the Cubs, and that was just an awesome feeling. You know what I mean? So, you know, to say, oh my God, Jason Hayward, you know, he, uh, you know, he chose the Cubs, and the Cardinals were offering him more, and this is great. And you thought that this was going to be just such a major piece. You're going to have a defender. You're going to have a guy on offense. I think the thing that was tough for me more than anything with Jason Hayward is that the Cubs had so many great offensive talent with that core. They didn't need Jason Hayward to be the leader, even though he was making the most money. They just needed him to be serviceable, 260 average. You know what I mean? I, I'm, not, I'm not asking for him to, to be Mike, you know, Mike Trout or, or whoever, you know, but he, he just couldn't hit. And, and it's bizarre because the thing I'll always remember is I've met hundreds and hundreds of baseball players in my life. He's one of the most built, strong-looking men you've ever seen in your life. And the fact that every time, 4-3, four, 4-3, three, four, three, second baseman to first baseman, it's like, dude, you are huge. How are you, you know, he looked like Pedro Serrano from Major League. I'm like, how on God's green earth are you not crushing the ball? Why do you keep hitting dribblers to the second baseman? Right. One of the very funny jokes out there is that he should have changed his number to 43 based on that. <laughs> now, Crowley, and I thought we might get to it a little later, but while we're at it, let's not bury the lead here. So we have the breaking news on Jason Hayward and maybe a claim that the Cubs made earlier today as they picked up Reyes off of waivers from the Guardians, and maybe that makes a little bit more sense. Not that he's going to be your everyday right fielder or anything like that because you have Suzuki there or your center fielder, but as far as a roster spot goes as the end of the season. Because I was just reading as we're doing this that he, meaning uh, Hayward, was done for the year. That knee was keeping him out, according to one of the tweets I just saw. He will not. So he's done. He will. We will not see him in Cubby pinstripes, Cubby blue, out in center field, out in right field. We are done seeing Jason Hayward as a Cub, at least on the field. Maybe they will have a tip of the cap afternoon or something for him. Yeah, and, and the thing that's the worst is he truly is a great human being and truly is a great teammate. It just didn't work out on the baseball side. That's the thing that you're going to most remember. Right, and his contract will always be that albatross, right? Where that's Everybody's going to talk about the fact that he just did not live up to that contract. But, hey, he was here, and he was a big part of them winning that World Series ring. So he's, he's always going to have that. And I would like to <clears throat> try to keep positive. And now that they are moving on, and he hasn't taken away a whole lot of time, and at bats from the younger guys as the Cubs have turned the corner, if you will. Um, I don't want to go completely negative on the guy. 
No, uh, you just, it's just, uh, and, and what Jed has said is they're going in a different direction, which is what I used to tell my ex-girlfriends. Um, but <laughs> w what ends up happening in this situation here is you have a lot of offensive or a lot of outfield young talent and you want to see what you have. You brought up Vermeil Reyes. Vermeil Reyes is another really big, strong, but younger kid. Uh, he, came, he was in San Diego and they were really excited to have him part of that with Machado and Tatis. And then he was traded to the Guardians, and uh, it just didn't work out this year. And so maybe a change of scenery. I know we talked about Clint Jackson, Frazier, but, you know, he got hot for a little bit in Iowa, and now he's cooled down again. Uh, we have Nelson Velasquez, who's going to see more and more at-bats. Christopher Morrell going to see more and more at-bats. The interesting thing about Morrell, you know, it, you know, that injury may have affected that, but you know, it's day to day. I talked to Christopher Morrell yesterday and he said he's fine. And, and, and so um, it's good that the Cubs have this opportunity to see people. We knew that Jason Hayward that wasn't going to take it bats away to those guys. I just didn't know. I, I, when we had Bob Nightingale on fly the W he talked about, he anticipated that the Cubs would um, see how he does in spring training, see if he has a good spring training and see if anyone nibbles. But apparently, you know, I, I mean, it just isn't realistic, you know? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 22. We are calling this one Fish Fry. It's Season 1, Episode 22, part of what we always told you from the start of this podcast. That we're going to introduce you and keep you informed on the up-and-comers. Well, we're keeping our promise. This week, we talked to Tennessee Smokies pitcher Max Bain. My next guest on Fly the W, pitcher for the Tennessee Smokies, we have Max Bain. How you doing, Max? I'm doing well, Crawley. Thank you for having me on today. I'm happy to be here. Uh, glad to have you. Uh, you have you're an interesting pitcher. Your your backstory. Some people know it. Some people didn't. Uh, you're from Michigan, right? And yes, sir. Uh, you pitched for Northwood University in Michigan. You were undrafted, uh, and you caught the attention of the Cubs. Correct. I was I was actually part of the 2019 class, which was the last 40 round draft. Ah, okay. uh, uh, wasn't selected in there, played indie ball for the summer of 2019, uh, trained on my own for that winter, uh, revamped a lot of things going on in my life. Uh, got, I got into pretty good physical shape and, uh, signed in January of 2020, right before, right before the pandemic hit. Uh, unbelievable. So there was a point you're saying you're playing independent ball. You're, you know, you're not drafted and stuff like that. Was there a point where you said, you know, maybe baseball's not for me. Maybe I'll try something else. Um, no, I think it was more so, uh, I had that. So when I finished up indie ball, uh, I was about 285, 290 pounds, roughly. It was more so the conversation was more so like, what am I going to do? That's going to make me stand out to sign. Right. Cause you're an indie ball and everybody's trying to get signed. So you have to be special. Like if you're going to be on that field and you're going to be, uh, you're going to be the guy that the scout notices, you got to be doing something special that nobody else is doing. So I was kind of more so looking at what am I going to do to make, you know, to make myself stand out. And uh, ultimately I landed on the fact that I needed to throw a lot harder and went from a guy that was able to touch 91 to uh, a guy that was able to show 97. That's when I signed. Great. And so the Cubs send you out. To, it looks like they're going to send you out to that ACL league in Arizona, but mm -hmm. that's not exactly what happened. Uh, you opened some eyes with your side session when you were there did you see the reaction from the different uh, scouts and analysts kind of looking at what you were doing and they, they kind of had a different plan for you then, right? Uh, a little bit. I think in, I think in 2020, I still wasn't my best self. So I still signed at about 265 pounds and I was still a little bit on the heavier side. Uh, but I definitely showed promise. You know, I had a good curveball, fastball, a good life to it. Um, but I came home for that summer of 2020 and I really just challenged myself to be the best athlete I could be. And I showed up in 2021 uh, weighing about 235 pounds. Um, and it was just, I think I've told people before, that's the most fun I've ever had pitching those, those four or five weeks. That's the most fun I've ever had pitching. And I was, I lit it up, man. Like I was, I was 97, 99, good curveball. Um, 
you know, I was just having fun with it. I was completely confident in all my stuff and it was, it, it was a ton of fun. Gotta tell you, it had to have been interesting to see you on pitching Ninja. Like when all of a sudden pitching Ninja notices you that yep. had to be exciting. And so did, what was the fallout from that? When, when, once you were on uh, pitching Ninja? Uh, well, Rob's my buddy. I, I love Rob. And, uh, so he, he helped me out in the whole signing period. That's, uh, he, you know, I kept sending him videos and whatnot and kept tagging him and stuff. And for him to finally retweet, it was really cool. So him and I kind of got to talking and then, uh, you develop a relationship through, through the years. And, uh, he kept asking me like when I finally got assigned to an affiliate. So I went over to, uh, I went up to high a South Bend. He, he kept asking me, he's like, Hey, you got anything for me? You got anything for me? And I kept waiting until I knew I had something that was going to kind of like stick out. Uh, and I had a, I had a change up where, um, the guy threw, uh, he like swung and on the backswing, he threw his bat to the backstop. Like he, <laughs> he let go of it. Uh, so I sent him that. And then that video ended up on his Twitter feed, uh, which was, 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 uh, really cool. The one thing though, that interests me about you is that there are, you have kind of two different schools. I don't I want to say two different schools of thought, but you have these guys, like I think of the John Lester or the John Lackey type, just give me the ball and I'm going to throw it as hard, you know? I know what I'm doing, this and that. And then you have other pitchers that are kind of a little bit more analytical and like to use data. And it seems like that's what you do. You use a data-driven approach to how you how you pitch. Yes. Yeah, and I think there's a little bit of room for both. So when I came into the org, I was super heavy on the data side. Everything was numbers. It was all black and white and whatnot. But kind of, kind of what I'm learning, and especially like learning from the other guys that I've played with and having so many different teammates, is that there's 100% of balance between the two uh, to be had. So I think the data stuff is great for developing stuff and being able to look at hitters um, in a very black and white sense. But I think having the time to watch the hitters as much as we do playing them so often, I think you, I, I think there's something to be gained from that too, more so than just looking at the numbers. When you, when you do talk about the numbers though, and you talk about driveline, you were there and, 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 and all the stuff that the Cubs are doing with the pitch lab and Repsoto and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. How did that affect what you did? Um, when I, uh, when I first got introduced to all that stuff, I just tried to immerse myself in it. So I try to make myself the best on paper that I could make myself. Um, the pitch lab is a ton of fun there. There's a ton of technology in there and there's a ton to be learned from every pitch you throw in there. So, uh, that was a ton of, you know, every opportunity to throw in there is, is a lot of fun. It's very, uh, insightful into, into who you are as a pitcher. And then, you know, having the chance to train at driveline. Uh, and do some PD sessions there and do the biomechanics lab and whatnot. Um, I mean, that's a, ton of fun as, that's a ton of fun as well, because those are, that's a third party. Those, that's what they're paid to do is, is simply work with pitchers and try to get the best stuff that they can using their technology. That, that That's all they work with. Um, so having the opportunity to work with them as well was, was a lot of fun and just being able to meet guys from, I mean, when we were, when my buddy Trey and I were training there, shout out to Trey, just signed with the Orioles. Um, uh, love that kid to death. I mean, we went cross country together, but when Trey and I were training there, we get to meet people from all different sites, all different orgs. You know, Matt Boyd was up there. Who's now I think with the Mariners. Uh, uh, oh my gosh. Dylan Tate was up there. Um, so getting able to being able to meet these guys uh, from different orgs who have different stories and different perspectives and whatnot, and just be able to learn from them is really, really special. Yeah. And, and, you know, the first great Cubs team that we saw, that 2016, 2015 team, we followed them from the minor leaguers, and I could name you 20 hitters off the top of my head, but the yep. one thing I couldn't do is I could not name you pitchers because they really didn't develop. Rob Zastrinsky was a guy that kind of yeah. there, but, but there was it wasn't like it is now. What do you think has changed in the Cubs' pitching development? As Craig Breslow and those guys, what do you think that they're doing now whether it's scouting or drafting or developing talent because now i'm sitting here and i can name 10 15 20 minor league pitchers off the top of my head that i'm like oh i'm excited about daniel palencia i'm i'm excited about cole franklin i'm excited about yep. max you just go down dj hurts you go down the list there's a ton what yep. do you think the real difference is as far as or why do you think the cubs seem to be kind of getting more successful in the development of pitching I think that they're going to every expense to give us every tool that we need to be successful. Uh, and they're in, in doing so they're instilling a lot of confidence in us. Um, I tell you what, man, the depth, the depth right now is, is pretty insane. I, you know, just looking at the pictures on every roster, there are, 
I mean, there there are tons of guys on every roster we have right now that are probably going to get big league time, and that is really special. Um, seeing, you know, just being able to be around the Smokies uh, staff right now, the guys that we have coming out of our bullpen right now, our starting rotation, um, I mean, we've kind of been nails. Like, I, I don't want to jinx it, but, like, it's been it's been really fun to be part of and we're winning a lot of baseball games which is which is a lot of fun you know i know um myrtle won the first half and and south bend's been dominating all year and and i think here in tennessee we got a pretty good shot to be in the playoffs and i don't think that i don't think that that happens without um both sides uh, both sides of the baseball being um you know having so much depth you know um so it, it's just been a ton of fun Last time I saw you was out in South Bend, and I was throwing the first pitch. It was a very cold opening weekend. Yep. It, was, it was a Saturday. You gave me some good advice. I, I didn't bounce it in, so I'm proud of myself. <laughs> but I've never been to Tennessee. And so if, you, if, if for the listeners out here who have never been to see the Tennessee Smokies, what other – obviously, I would love to come see you again in Tennessee. Who do you think that – you know, for fans, if you were to say like, hey, come to Tennessee, you got to see – this guy or this guy hmm. who are some guys that kind of blow your mind when you're sitting in the dugout while you're talking about watching hitters and stuff like that. Who, who, who kind of is, is, is someone that you would recommend your friend come to Tennessee and check out? Well, uh, okay. Uh, right now it's the combination of Jonathan Perlaza and Alexander Canario. Uh, those two guys every day, they're doing something special. Um, I would have told you, I would have told you Matt Mervis while he was here, but his stay was only like six weeks. Uh, um, <laughs> But but watching uh, watching Canario and and Perlaza play the way that they do every day and the amount of energy they bring and and how good they are for the clubhouse like those guys are those guys are special man and, and you know we just got uh we just we just got Ben Hecht from uh, Tommy John rehab and he's one of my best friends and first thing I told him I was like hey wait until you see Canario get into a baseball <laughs> and sure enough sure enough like. Maybe two days later, I think he hit one over the scoreboard at Smoky Stadium, and it's just like it—it's—it's it's ridiculous, man. Those guys are those guys are insanely special. But you know, I think you can go top to bottom and say that there's talent. In, you know, every every position. You know, uh, Chase Strumpf has been lighting it up this year. Uh, that's no secret. You know, Bryce is fun to watch behind the plate. You got starters all over the place that are pitching well. I mean, we've been cycling through because it's been so. I mean, it's been so talented. You know, you started the year with. Javier Saad, Cam Sanders, and they're now gone, but now you have Wicks and hers and, and they're, you know, they're starting to find their stride here. And um, it, it's just, it's special, man. It's, it's, it's a really special team. You, you talked about Wicks and hers who've just been uh, promoted recently to from South Bend to uh, Tennessee. What was that experience like for you? If we go to, for some single A to double A, what were some of the challenges that you kind of faced as you made that next progression up? Well, the first challenge I faced is I got the phone call. I was promoted on Monday night uh, at about 1130 uh, Eastern time. And I was back home in Michigan with my girlfriend for the off day. Um, so the first challenge was getting back to South Bend, which was a <laughs> nice three and a half hour drive. Slept for about three hours, uh, got up, packed all my stuff and got on the road and hit, did the eight hour drive to Tennessee. So the first challenge is make it to game time on Tuesday. Um <laughs> Um, but I, but in all seriousness, I think, uh, the challenges that I've faced, um, have been more so just, just trusting my stuff, right. Not trying to be a different pitcher, uh, just because I'm in a different league. You know, I think, I think my manager said it best, uh, when I was kind of struggling out, uh, struggling a little bit out the gate was I was trying to make, uh, I was trying to adjust to the league rather than trying to have the league adjust to me. Um, and I, and I think the more I continue to have the league adjust to me, uh, I think the more success I'm going to have. Nice. And, and, and it, the thing I love about this team, and it reminds me of the, the old, the last great Cubs team is there's a camaraderie. Who do you like to watch? Like kind of still keep your eye on, on the different affiliate level with the Cubs. Um, see, that's, that's a hard question to pinpoint one guy. Cause I like, yeah, you can name I as many just, as you want. Who are you yeah, watching? Who are you, you watching? Know, I like to watch the guys that we send up. So anytime we got, anytime we can get a big league game on, uh, uh, on in the clubhouse, it's, you know, Hey, is Hughes pitching? Is Nelly playing? Uh, is Morel playing today? Is SB is SB starting this one? You know, so watching the guys that we've sent up um, to the big leagues this year has been a ton of fun. Um, seeing, you know, 
Eric, uh, Eric Yulman was a guy I played catch with often in spring training. So being able to see, like being able to catch his stuff in spring and then see that come to like, see that on TV and in big league games has been a lot of fun. I'm very, very happy for Eric. Um, but even, you know, the guys that we've sent up recently, Padilla, Nick Padilla was my roommate. Uh, Blake Whitney is a guy that I played with last year and this year. Um, and even keeping eyes on, on some of the guys uh, that are working their way through the lower levels. You know, I still talk to Porter Hodge once in a while. I talked to, um, I talked to PCA here and there. I, I made sure I talked to Ed when, when everything happened. Cause that kid was finding his stride and just one, one, you know, scary thing. And that's his year, you know, that I, I don't have, I can't tell you how much respect I have for that kid. Um, so I, I do my best in trying to keep, keep tabs on everybody, to be honest. That's awesome. Yeah. As a Chicago guy, we always had a close connection. Obviously uh, that injury that you were talking about with the Jackie Robinson, little league West and stuff that was devastating, but Ed Howard's a tough kid and he's going to come back strong. Oh, There's yeah. no doubt about that. Absolutely. Now you also got into the social media game uh, as far as your own podcast, the Bane campaign. How did that all come about? Yeah. Um, so middle to end of last year, um, I got a text from Brian Smith uh, over at Bleacher Nation, and he told me he had this idea that he wanted to do. Uh, he thought it'd be a really good idea for content that winter um, because I was looking for a different way to do things. You know, I had done the vlog the year before, uh, but I didn't really have the pro guys around me in Michigan to be able to do that, or at least where I was training. I think they're, they are there. They just, they just weren't where I was. Um, so I was looking for a different way to do content and we landed on the podcast and, and Brian had this idea to, to cover um, all of my starts and whatnot to kind of go through them and dissect them, rewatch them. What did I learned from this one? What did I, what I think I did well, what I think I did bad um, stuff like that. Uh, and I got a very similar idea for my other co-host, Chris McLean, and they were like two weeks apart. So I'm, I'm, you know, uh, dissecting this idea, if you will, and trying to understand if it's something I want to do or evaluate if it's, um, something I can do. And I think what we landed on was trying to make it more so about, uh, I, I wanted to make it a platform to where I could interview the guys that had had big impacts on my, uh, on my season. Um, and we were able to do that. So, uh, you know, we just kind of went ahead first, to be honest, you know, I had, I had Aiden McIntyre and Rio Gomez on first, and those were the guys that I lived with in Arizona right before the season. Uh, and from there, it just kind of took off every week. It was, okay, who are we going to have on this week? And who can we check off our list? Because we, I think we had a list of like 10, 12 guys. And then we ended up interviewing like seven or eight guys off of that list because you have to audible and, and just kind of make things work. But it was a really, really successful first season. And I'm excited for season two, honestly. And when does season two start up? It'll be in the off season. I don't know that I have a firm uh, firm release date yet. A lot of things are pending. Uh, you know, the Arizona Fall League is coming up. So if I'm part of that, then that, that makes, uh, that forces an adjustment and who knows. So, and then I could meet somebody there and then you have more guests. And uh, so it, it'll definitely be this winter. I try not to record in season, um, but yeah. Now I got to Obviously your immediate future goal is to pitch at Wrigley Field. No doubt about yep. that. Absolutely. But have you ever kind of kicked around that like, hey, you know, in the future, I may be into kind of the broadcast kind of stuff or, you know, being somebody that did kind of go through all the stuff that you did with uh, with the pitch lab and, and driveline and stuff like that. Do you see yourself potentially in the future being like, hey, you know, you know, maybe I get a couple of years, maybe I have a long career, but when it's done, maybe I want to coach because I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I think, uh, you know, it's funny as of late. I've kind of had this realization of what my dream job after baseball is. And is I want to coach, I want to coach at my alma mater. I want to coach at Northwood little, right. little D two school. I kind of want to be off the map. I just want to be, I want to kind of go do my own thing. Uh, and I, and I think I'd really, really enjoy that. That's awesome. And you know, I've, I've known a lot of players that have done that gone back to uh, Darwin Barney's another one of them. And, and, yeah. and those, those kind of guys, and that, that, that's, that's really cool. But uh, have you ever been to Wrigley field? I have. I have on a couple separate occasions. Um, there was one time, there's just this past winter, uh, my girlfriend and I, my, Madison. So Madison and I were headed down to uh, Effingham, Illinois uh, for New Year's Eve because uh, my buddy Ben Hecht, who I mentioned earlier, uh, was getting married. And we decided to make it like a little three-day, four-day trip. So we went to Chicago for the first three days. And I was like, oh, I definitely got to show it regularly. I, I'd already been to a game there, but 
I wanted to show her Wrigley, wanted to show her Wrigleyville and um, just kind of show her what it was all about, you know, and they happened to be doing some like winter wonderland thing. The Chris Kindle Mart. Yeah. 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 So we were, we were up there and I was like, you know, I got to ask this guy, I like, I got to ask security guy if I can just go in, like just tell him that I'm part of the team. I just want to show, be able to show her the inside of Wrigley field. And, um, there was zero chance that that guy was going to let me in, <laughs> but you don't know unless you ask. Uh, Max, next time you, you do, do email me and I will make sure I, I know the head of security over there. We'll get you in, but uh, I appreciate that. It, it's, 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 a, it's a great place to be around that. Chris Kindle Mart's a lot of fun. And then you have all the bars with the, with the Christmas pop-ups and it's a blast. Absolutely. But you know, man, you're working so hard and, and, and you know, we are rooting for you all Thank the you. way. And I promise you that the day you make your premiere at Wrigley, I'm going to be there cheering you on real loud. You'll hear me. Trust me. I'm loud, but I appreciate uh, that. I look forward to seeing you in Arizona and maybe if I can get down this year, Tennessee, if not, then I'll catch you at AAA. Sounds like a plan to me, man. I appreciate that. You take care and best of luck to you. All right, Max. Yes, sir. We'll talk soon. Thank you again. Thank you. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one. It is episode number 22. If you fast forwarded, shame on you, don't fast forward. Listen to the whole thing from start to finish because we had some breaking news, Crawley, as we start segment three here as the Cubs and Jason Hayward are not going to be together moving forward. So that is some news there. And big game this week, the Cubs and the Reds in the Field of Dream game on Fox. And wouldn't you know it, Crowley? You are heading out there. Yeah, it's it, it's going to be exciting. Um, I won a season ticket lottery uh, event, and so I will be going to the Field of Dreams. So very, very exciting. Um, you know, we'll see what happens, and, and we'll have tons of stuff for you on that. Um, right now, uh, for this week, before we get to the Field of Dreams, we do have a series with the Nationals coming into town for a competition to see who gets the number one draft pick though. I guess I'm so excited about the field of dreams Crowley that uh, I I just wanted to mention that you were going to be there of course, but yes, we have three games. The Cubs have three games with the nationals to get out of the way. And this is a good time as any for the Cubs to play the nationals. You could say, well, of course they should beat the nationals. You know, they traded Soto. They're reeling right now. Well, listen, the Cubs are no great shakes right now either. So it's uh it's pretty even, I guess, as far as who's better or who's worse. So, listen, this is a time. Get the offense right. That's what I want to see here, Crowley, over the next couple games. I want to see the bats get better because they've been not so great of late. Yeah, and, and again, do you? as far as a show and flying the W, of course, as fans, we want that. Or do you want to get the win the race to the bottom and get the better draft pick, the better odds to to land the best draft pick? Because they I have guess a new lottery that, I guess system. that is something. Yeah, I guess that is something that we have to uh, that we have to consider. And because um, if we're yeah. gonna take if we're gonna take Jed Hoyer at his word, they're gonna be spending in the off season and they're looking to be competitive. So you know that's what happened in the last time around when the Cubs started getting good, 2015, 16, 17, 18. You're picking way later in the draft. So if if Jed's expecting a quick turnaround. Do you want to win games or do you do you just want to see development? And we talked about the importance of the development, but uh, game one starters, you got Keegan Thompson going to the bump, 8-5, 348, ERA, 83Ks versus Annabelle Sanchez, who's been around seemingly forever. But uh, he is 0-4 with a 765 ERA and 15Ks. So this is the interesting thing about the game tonight is we do have the lineup, Dustin, and it's Ortega leading off, which I don't know why that's happening again. I, I, you know, speaking of DFAs, that would be number one on my list right now. Uh, he'd be picked up really easily by a contender, I think. Contreras is catching, happen left, say and right, Patrick Wisdom at first, and you're going to see a lot more of that. Uh, Nico Horner at short. Nelson Velasquez is going to DH. I'm fine with that. Nick Magical at second. But Christopher Morell will be playing third base tonight. Interesting. Interesting development. I did see that earlier. Retweeted what you had tweeted out off the uh, Mully and Haw Twitter account that I'm usually uh, that I'm usually spinning the dials on. That 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 might work. I don't think second base is his future. Not with Nick Madrigal and potentially moving and, and potentially moving Nico, Nico Horner over there. Uh, Ken Rosenthal today again 
repeating what others have said that the Cubs will for sure land one of the top four shortstop free agents in this offseason. So obviously if that happens, Nico's not going to be playing short. I don't see Nico's future at center. So I think second base makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. But I suppose Nico could be a guy for third base as well. But if he has a hard time with the throws at short from where I sit, I don't know that he'd have a great time over at third base either with the throws. Well, it's, it'll be interesting. So this is what you're doing. You're you're holding your auditions right now. And one guy who's really done well has been Keegan Thompson. Unfortunately, his last game out didn't go so great. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals put a world of hurt on Keegan. Yes, they did. Uh, that was, yeah. So you're if you remember kind, that one. You're being kind. 4.2 innings, 10 hits, 5 runs. I mean, 2 home runs. It just wasn't a good start. So one of those, let's look for a good bounce back from Keegan, and hopefully he does well. Uh, you know, we're always rooting for this guy. He did really good against Pittsburgh the game before that, but then not so great against the Mets. So we, we see that he's doing okay against the lower-tier teams. But I'd like to – and Washington fits that bill again. Um, but I would say that I'd like to see him hopefully – uh, really be dominant, give a, give the Cubs some length out of this one and continue to kind of keep building on this 2022 season. Absolutely. That's the reason to watch. We keep talking about it. And again, just a few minutes ago in the podcast, you talked about development and this is somebody that you want to continue to watch develop. So absolutely. Most important thing right now. Yep. And then game two, uh, again, this is a good, if you're going to go out to Wrigley, you get to see some good pitching. Marcus Stroman to me, has really proven what he's worth. You remember last time, the last game that he went out, though, against St. Louis, uh, he was doing really good. He was into the seventh inning, and then he had two outs, and then he ended up giving up uh, three earned runs in that time period. So it was a really good start. He just couldn't quite finish it. But uh, he, he has just been absolutely lights out. You know, he's been making it to the seventh inning, and most of the time, He's given up zero or one earned run most of his starts until this last one against St. Louis. Uh, but he's been doing great, and so hopefully he can kind of continue. This isn't a team that should give him a lot of trouble. Uh, Nelson Cruz may give him some trouble because he hits 571 against Marcus Stroman in 14 at-bats, so not exactly a small sample size. Uh, some of these guys from Washington obviously saw him when during Marcus's time in New York, and there's some pretty high batting averages, even if these guys aren't the world's greatest. So uh, former Cub Ildemaro Vargas is on the team. You remember him? Yep. Uh, but but hopefully he does well. And then, uh, you know, in the Cubs are going to face Paolo Espina, who's 0-4 with a 420 ERA and 53 Ks. Uh, the Cubs haven't seen him that much. So uh, hopefully Ian Happ continues to stay hot against him, but it's a small sample, five, five at-bats, 400 uh, batting average for Ian Happ against Paolo Espino. Yeah, it would be nice to see Hap uh, settle back in. He was having a great uh, a great season and went to the All-Star game and uh, was a little sluggish as we got closer and closer to the trade deadline. So I'd like to I'd like to see him rebound a little bit, and this would be a great time to start doing it. Absolutely. And, and, and he's, he's been doing well. He just hasn't been, you know, he, you know, All-Star caliber like he was in the first half of the season. So like you said, hopefully he's going to uh, pick it up a little bit. Game yep. three, though, we have, you know, again, Justin Steele. So you got Stro you got tonight, you got Keegan, tomorrow Strowman, and then finishing up on Wednesday with uh, Justin Steele. So these are the three guys you want to really keep your eyes on. And, and, you know, Justin has pitched very well this season. If you take a look, though, at the last game, it was a decent game. But the problem that you're seeing lately is that he is just not going deep into games. So against Miami, you know, not not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination, 4.2 innings. Against San Francisco, there was some bad defense, 3.2 innings. Uh, against Philadelphia, five innings. So, you know, I, I don't know how much of this is just kind of, you know, sometimes pitchers go through these lulls, sometimes it's a dead arm, a little fatigue, who knows. But, you know, just keep in mind, and I always tell people that Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson were supposed to be, you know, relievers, piggybackers, spot starters, and they've been asked to take a pretty big load so far this season. Absolutely. Development again. The development again. We talk about the three guys going in this series. I don't know if I'd be thrilled, Crowley, if that was the Cubs 1-2-3 heading into 23, but if it was 2-3-4, 
with somebody new up top or if Kyle Hendricks somehow rebounds and, and, and all is right with Kyle Hendricks and you got Samson at the back end, that might not be that might be enough to win this division. Now I'm not saying it's gonna win you in October, but it might be enough to win a division. And that's that'd what Jed huge, was that, that'd be a huge step in the right direction. That's what Jed's banking on is we you know is, is is that he can turn this around rather quickly as opposed to the last rebuild where they were starting from scratch. And if you're gonna, you know, rebound and, and try to take a division, the NL Central right now is the one you can do it in. Absolutely. All right, Crowley, let's go. Prediction time. You've been uh, lucky. You won a lottery to go see the Cubs take on the Reds at the Field of Dreams game. You almost had the sweep. I was right last time, but that doesn't mean anything. Uh, I I said two out of three. So I am going to drink the Crowley Kool-Aid this afternoon ahead of game one. We're recording this moments before the start of game one. And I am going to say take out the brooms and fly that W, not once, not twice, but three times Crowley. Are you going to follow suit, or are you going to I'm going to say the Cubs are going to take two out of three. Like I two said, Thompson three. Thompson, and Steele both, to me, look like they're kind of you know, hitting that wall a little bit as rookie starters. So I think that I'm hoping to get a good game out of one of them, and the other one I think is going to struggle. So I'm going to go two out of three, and I truly am feeling blessed and excited, Dustin, to have a chance to go to Dyersville, Iowa. I'm a huge fan of the Field of Dreams movie. Uh, I, 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 even though I don't watch a lot of White Sox baseball, I, of course, watched it last year. And how cool that was to have Kevin Costner and the Yankees and the White Sox coming out of the corn. And That's so over-delivered last year, Crowley. Absolutely <laughs> over. Not many things, Crowley, right? You and I have been around a long time. I've seen a lot of sporting events, a lot of can't-miss stuff that gets hyped up. That game absolutely over-delivered. Absolutely. You had a couple home runs in the ninth inning, including a walk-off. I mean, it was just everything you could imagine. It was a perfect night. And so for, for somebody that's as big a fan of Field of Dreams as I am, this is really a dream come true. Uh, I will be drive. I'm going to the game on Wednesday, so I'm going to see the Justin Steele start on Wednesday. I'll be in the bleachers. And then Thursday morning, myself and Stuart McVicker from Club 400, we're going to road trip it down. So kind of be watching my socials because we're going to be doing – we got three hours to kill. We'll be doing a little AMA. We'll be doing some live streams, and, and I'll be taking tons of pictures and stuff for all the content on Fly the W. Uh, on our Facebook at Fly the W and on Instagram and Twitter at Fly the W670. So really be looking out because you're going to see everything that's happening in real time and some of the stuff that you may not be seeing um, as the game's going on. So if everything works out the way we have it planned, the next edition will come at you at some point on Friday. It'll be a recap of obviously the national series, but mainly the main edition of the next episode will be a review of the uh, Field of Dreams game and then a preview of the games coming up as the teams will then go from Iowa back to Cincinnati to finish out that series on Saturday and Sunday. So that's a wrap of this episode. It was season one. It was episode number 22. We called this one a fish fry. That's right. The Cubs got to fly the W not once but twice. I'm going for a sweep against the Nationals. Crowley's got them two out of three. We hope you enjoyed this one. Make sure to like us, subscribe, follow, and all that good stuff, and hopefully we can uh, fly the W together, Crowley. Absolutely. Take care, Dustin.